guys sounded great tonight. That was awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, so you guys get me again because Adam did a great job this morning on Sunday morning in Big Church. So hello, welcome back. Thanks for being flexible with the timing. Um, and I'm just glad to see you all. So we're going to jump in quickly because I know we have kind of a limited time. I know we haven't, the last couple of weeks, had so much time with 4D groups. So I'm going to do my best to try to work through this so that you guys have time for D groups. If that doesn't happen tonight, next week. Uh, wait, next, uh, we'll have time for D groups tonight, but I want to try to make it more of a routine to give you closer to 30 minutes, but we're going to be out of here at 6.45, so that gives me four minutes to try to work through this. That's not going to happen, but hopefully <laughs> we'll give you as much time as we can for D groups tonight. So, before we open up um, our Bibles, I want you to turn to the people around you and discuss a time where you remember being so angry. Now, this could be a time that now you look back on and you feel silly about, or you're like, why was I even mad about that? Um, or it could be a time where you're still mad about it. Um, this could be a silly thing or like a real thing. So turn to the people around you, about 30 seconds, discuss a time where you were angry. Okay, does anyone want to share a time where you were really angry? Any brave soul? Be very vulnerable. Okay, Kate, let's hear it. Yeah, I'd be angry too. Anytime anyone steals my food, takes my last bite, no. Okay, one more. Oh, yeah, I could feel the anger coming from you. You thought the whole thing was rigged. What about when the Chiefs lost? That was, that was mad. Yeah, that was bad. All right. So all different types of anger we see. Now we're going to open up uh, our word to Matthew. We're going to pick up where we left off um, last week. So I'm going to read the last verse from last week, and then we'll be in verses 21 through 26. So before we read, um, I kind of want to clarify. Sometimes anger gets a bad reputation, and for right reason. A lot of times our anger is sinful, but there are two different types of anger. There's righteous anger and unrighteous anger. Righteous anger is being angry at all things that oppose God. Unrighteousness, evil, idolatry, impurity, and sin. Righteous anger is not just a defense mechanism that pops up that we use against those who hurt us. It's not a reactive thing. Rather, righteous anger springs forth from a sense of justice that comes from Scripture. So some examples of this include like being angry at war crimes, the murder of innocent lives, angry at people who abuse innocent children, human trafficking. The list could go on and on. We see God's anger in the Old Testament when Israel continues to rebel against God. We see Jesus' anger in the New Testament when he overturns the tables um, because people are trying to make money in his temple. Anger in itself is not a bad thing, and I want to make that clear before we begin tonight. Anger in itself is not a bad thing, but usually our anger is followed by a sinful action or a sinful thought. As humans, it is very difficult for us to be angry and then not follow that up with sin. When God is angry, it is completely free from sin. When Jesus was angry, it was completely free from sin. But usually when we're mad, we follow that up 
with sin. Which brings us to unrighteous anger, which is usually what we're pretty accustomed to in our human form. Unrighteous anger is sinful. Examples of this would be wanting to put someone in their place for something they did to hurt you, retaliation, hatred, lying, pride, jealousy. The list could go on and on of things that motivate, motivate us to be angry. But we normalize being angry. We normalize living in an angry state. It kind of feels good to be angry. It sometimes feels good to go throughout life with a chip on our shoulder, and it kind of feels good to hold grudges sometimes. It makes us feel like we're in the right, and I have been there. Actually, one time my mentor called me out because I had been angry about something for a couple months, and she just straight up asked me, does it feel good to you to be angry at this person? Does it feel like you're a step above them? Does it feel like you're more righteous than them because you remain in this angry state towards them? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you're right. Like something deep within me sometimes likes this feeling of angry. So I'm not preaching on this because I have this all figured out. But I promise you, just as Adam spoke on this morning, freedom in this area Freedom from anger, sinful anger, is worth it. Freedom from your bitterness, from your grudges, your uncontrollable anger is worth surrendering to the Lord. And as we go throughout tonight, I want you to ask yourself, is there anyone in your life that you're angry with? Anyone in your life that you have held a grudge against for an extended period of time? Maybe tonight the Lord can start working on your heart to start to let that go. So that brings us to our main point for tonight. As Christians, we must be slow to anger, work to mend hurt relationships, and live at peace with one another. So we'll kind of go through that as we dive into our verses tonight. So like I said, I want to read um, verse 20 before we begin. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So remember, the scribes and the Pharisees were scholars of the law. They knew way more about Old Testament scripture than I will probably ever know. Jesus, in this verse, is setting the standard impossibly high. An impossible standard that we're going to continue to see throughout the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to continue to see tonight. So we know that even with tonight's scriptures being set impossibly high, Jesus' grace in his forgiveness is the only solution. So let's read verse 21. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. Okay, so you've heard this before. If you think back to the Ten Commandments, this is the sixth of the Tenth Commandments. It says, do not murder. But what Jesus describes here is different. He takes it further. And my commentary said it this way. God has more in mind than just prohibiting the evil act of premeditated murder. He is concerned with both murderous acts and murderous attitudes. He knows that the issue is with the heart. So we can see that Jesus is all concerned about our heart. He isn't fooled by any of our outward expressions. He knows what's going on in each of our hearts in this room. Today's verses are specifically talking about anger, but Jesus' concern for our heart 
is true throughout all of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus warns us against letting our unchunked anger into our heart. Once anger comes in, you can start to stew on it. It can be set ablaze. Our hearts can turn into like a fire of unrighteous anger. We have to evaluate and challenge our feelings of anger. Ask yourself when you're thinking about someone that you're mad at, what is causing me to be angry in this situation? Is this righteous or unrighteous anger? And as I was thinking about this, preparing for tonight, I have a theory. I think that most of us on earth, and most of us probably in this room, are probably very emotionally immature. I would put myself in this category sometimes. I sometimes feel something strongly and and don't ever even stop to ask myself, why am I feeling this strong emotion? I just let myself exist in that strong emotion all day, and then all week, and then sometimes we can go months feeling this way without ever taking the time to process why we feel angry or why we feel bitter or why we feel hurt. We just sit in it and we don't do anything about it. We don't let scripture impact it. We don't let the Holy Spirit in there and we don't talk about it. I normalize my anger and my bitterness. I feel entitled to it. And here, Jesus is basically saying, Erica, like, can't you see? Bitterness, anger, holding grudges, that's like committing murder towards that person. Like, what am I supposed to do with that anger when I'm feeling it? And so Jesus will continue to describe that in verse 22. It says, But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. Jesus' words here sound really extreme. Oftentimes, we're caught off guard when Jesus speaks this way because we're used to the Jesus of children sitting on his lap, him like petting a lamb maybe. Um, It's kind of like scary Jesus. Uh, But don't let your discomfort with this passage allow you to water it down. Jesus sets this bar so high and is so concerned about the state of our heart. God wants all of your heart. Not just the parts that you manufacture on the outside to feel like you're a good person. He longs to change you from the inside out. He wants to renew you. He wants to purify you. In these two verses, Jesus identifies the problem. Now, in verses 23 and 24, he's going to explain part of the solution. So let's read in 23. So if you're offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled with your brother and your sister, and then come and offer your gift. So we know as humans, sin is inevitable. Hopefully as we go throughout life, it will become less and less, but we are bound to sin. We are called to ask for righteousness and seek forgiveness. My commentary said it this way, you cannot worship God with integrity without having a clear conscience and right relationships with your brothers and sisters. We must be at peace with the people, with people and in our heart if we are truly and authentically to worship God. We must be at peace with people in our hearts if we are to truly and authentically worship God. What I mean is that It's really hard for you to hold on to your ignorance and your bitterness and then come on Sunday morning and give him all of your heart. 
I have another theory here. I have a theory that we're really bad at forgiving people. We're really bad at asking for forgiveness. Sometimes the best we can do is, okay, okay, like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was such, such a big deal. It's evident that we're not sorry when we apologize that way. It's evident to ourselves and it's evident to the person that we're apologizing to that we're not actually grieved by our sin in that moment. We just want to say the easiest thing possible to get out of a tense situation because it's awkward. That's me. (laughs) I grew up with a family that did not talk about emotions at all. Maybe that's your family. I'm very bad um, at asking for forgiveness. In my marriage, I am the one that's like, I'm sorry, like, I won't do it again. Um, But then the, the level at which I'm grieved in want to repent um, isn't always there. Corey, on the other hand, is really good at this. His family um, modeled this. His parents would apologize to him um, if there was ever a situation that they needed to apologize for. And so I would say this is one of his strongest um, components, He had his biggest strength. He is so good at genuine apologies and asking for um, forgiveness that he shows me up every time. And I am fine to admit that because it's just true. Um, But think about a time that someone has legitimately, genuinely apologized to you. It speaks volumes. Even if they did something that really hurt you, if someone sits down, looks you in the eyes, and asks for forgiveness, like that speaks so much. So why, why do we not want to do that ourselves? We feel, we feel awkward. We let our pride stand in the way. Um, but Jesus is cutting straight to the heart. He says, apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Go to the person. Seek reconciliation. And so the next time you have a conviction or you feel guilty, don't let it stop there. Apologize. Bring your sin into the light. Don't let it just ruminate inside of you, but bring it out. And if someone apologizes to you, work in your heart to surrender your hurt. Don't let your anger or hurt be like a pet that you keep inside of you. It doesn't have to be like immediate forgiveness, but you can work in your heart and with the Lord in that direction. And I know um, some of you in this room have been hurt and wronged in some really awful ways. Uh, There's some of you in here who have been bullied, who have been abused, who have been lied lied to, cheated on. These things are huge. These things are really, really hard and heavy. Jesus knows that what he's asking here is not easy. He knows that better than anyone because he intimately knows the depth of your heartache. Jesus experienced betrayal by some of his closest friends in the worst kind of way. He is no stranger to your hurt. What I'm asking you to do tonight and what Jesus is asking you to do in the Sermon of the Mount is huge. Whether the sin against you was big or small, it's no small task to heal from a wound. Maybe tonight you can talk to a friend or a D group leader about the ways in which you have been hurt. Maybe the first step is opening up about things that you feel incapable of forgiving. I've been hurt and betrayed in very painful ways. I'm on the long road of lifelong forgiveness. And basically the question I'm asking you tonight is, will you join me in that? Will you work to forgive the people around you? Think about the wounds in your life. Would you let 
Jesus into those? It's a hard and scary question, but just ask yourself, would you let Jesus into those? Okay, let's read verses 25 and 26. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on your way with him to court, or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. So the Bible throughout all of the New Testament drives us to keep unity and peace with everyone. When we're at odds with people, it can distract us from fully worshiping the Lord. We can't control the people around us. You guys know that. We can't control their thoughts or their actions when they have some sort of preconceived notion about us. We are only responsible for owning our sin. And John Piper puts it this way. We are only responsible for what others hold against us when it is, when it is owing to real sin on our part. So we are responsible when it's a sinful action that we have done. We are, secondly, we are responsible to pursue reconciliation, but we have to live with the pain if it does not succeed. So sometimes you'll ask for forgiveness and the person does not forgive you. Sometimes there's not true reconciliation that can be resolved. And that's painful. Um, so we can only do on our part is, what we can only do on our part is own our sin and seek reconciliation. That's not always reciprocated. Uh, we need to own our sin and seek peace. But sometimes the other person doesn't want to forgive us. Sometimes there's not re reconciliation. Reconciliation has to happen both ways. Both people have to come together in unity to achieve reconciliation. Unfortunately, in our world, that there will probably be times in your life where that doesn't happen. Um, but it's hypocritical for us to say that you're good with God, but not good with others. And that brings us to, back to our main point. As Christians, we must be slow to anger, work to, hurt, mend, work to mend hurt relationships, and live at peace with each other. So tonight, I want you to take a hard inward look. Are there people that you're mad at? Are there people that you're holding grudges against? Are there people in your life that you feel like you could never forgive? This is, can be for the biggest thing or the smallest petty thing that you need to let go of. So ask God into those areas of your life. He can and will restore those broken parts of your heart. So D group leaders, I sent um, questions a few, is probably back on Tuesday. So you can look back or you can come up with your own questions. There are also so many verses in scripture that talk about anger. Um, so feel free to read those um, or just any questions that have come up on the way. I will pray for us and then we can break to D group. Remember, tonight, try to get out of here by 645. God, we thank you for hard truths in scripture. Lord, it doesn't feel good when we read passages where um, we feel just stuck or broken or lost or confused, Lord, but I pray that you would expose those areas of our heart tonight that we need to surrender to you, Lord, that we need to trust you um, in the scary process of forgiveness, Lord. May we look to your example as we humans have just messed up in a lot of different ways, have rebelled against you in a lot of different ways. You have paid the price of ultimate forgiveness, Lord. You have forgiven each of us for our debts, Lord. So may we look to be more like you. May we seek forgiveness and reconciliation. In your name I pray, amen. All right, you guys can head to D groups.